Turn your Bibles, church. Turn your Bibles to Exodus 23. Exodus 23. And if you could, um, we're going to quickly find ourselves in Revelation 19. So if you could put a tassel there, I'm going to be a handful of spots. But um, I'm only going to want you to be in a few of them. And so one of them is, there's, there's a handful of verses we're going to read and I want you to see them. And so that is in Revelation chapter 19. So be ready for Exodus 23 and have a tassel in Revelation 19. So this morning we're, we're going to talk about how God the Father is an amazing gift giver. And the gift of Christ. How God our Father, in that continuation of that illustration of of God being the perfect parent in the book of the covenant study that we're in. And how God the Father is an amazing gift giver. And so on that idea, I, I was thinking as I was reading the text and studying this week about the greatest gifts growing up that I ever received. And on that idea, I started asking church folks, I started asking friends of mine, growing up, what was the greatest gift that you received and that you remember still to this day? And so I got a lot of similarities. A lot of guys said, man, I remember when I got my first BB gun. I remember when I got my first shotgun or rifle and, and my dad or my grandfather took me out or maybe my first um, you know, catcher's mitt or baseball or bat or um, I had some women go, oh, I remember when I first got my first baby doll and I still have it today. Guys, I remember when I got the first Super Nintendo. I remember this. I remember my parents not being able to afford it. And if I ever was spoiled in my life growing up, it was from my um, wonderful grandmother who loved me greatly. And I remember after my birthday, having my birthday party, there was no Nintendo. It was, you know, some you know, clothing instead of that. Um, I don't know if I pronounced that right or not. It's been a while. But I remember that duck hit. I remember that. It wasn't that. I remember how to pronounce duck hit. I remember I got some clothes that year for my birthday. My grandmother coming later that night and said, Hunter, I know you didn't want any duck head clothes, so I got you what you wanted. And I remember opening that up and I saw the Nintendo guys. And not only did it come with Mario, it came with what? Duck Hunt. That's right. Amen. Duck Hunt. And man, I remember that phenomenal gift. We remember as kids getting gifts that we love. And we don't remember it all. We don't remember all of them. There are certain times, even as we get older, 30, 40, 50, 90 years old, we grow up remembering certain gifts that we received. Well, here's the thing. Not only do children remember gifts, so do parents. And so as a dad, there have been times in my life as a father, I remember being excited about giving my kids certain gifts, right? And I was on the other side of things, and I said, man, I can't... um, Wait until my child opens up, fill in the blank. A lot of you guys have the same memories. Well, here's the blessing in being a child of God. God is the same way. God loves giving gifts. God does not just love giving gifts. He is a great gift giver. The greatest version of the scriptures that point us to this reality of God the Father gifting His children comes from Matthew 7. 
It says, if you then being evil, being sinners, earthly men and women, right? If you then being sinners know how to give good gifts to your children, Super Nintendos and rifles and Barbie dream houses, just know how to give gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? Our Heavenly Father is not just perfect. He is a perfect gift giver. God is the same. And so this morning, what we see in our study of the book of the covenant, not only does God the Father show us how to live and point us to our salvation, but he lives life with us, constantly giving gifts. So it proposes the question, in God's greatest bag of gifts, what is the greatest? Out of all the things, if I asked you, as you grew up, what was the greatest gift that you remember getting, right? As a believer, what is God's greatest gift that he gives his children? Well, I think it's pretty simple, but we're going to figure it out here in Exodus 23. Look at verses 20 through 22. It says, Behold... I send an angel. Will you just highlight that? That's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about this angel. Who is this angel? Does it matter? Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place in which I have prepared. Beware of him, God says, and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. Will you highlight that? For my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy of your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. So what we see in this week's text is that we see the gift of an angel, right? When you think about the idea of an angel, our minds in this culture, believer or not believer, we are fascinated by angels. We love the idea of them. We decorate our homes with them. It is one of the only things that I thought of that people dress up at Halloween and then also Christmas. Like angels are all over the place. We have TV shows and movies. Um, Anthony Hopkins has been an angel. Brad Pitt has been an angel. Ben Affleck has been an angel. Denzel has been an angel, right? The idea of angels are comforting and they're fascinating, they're intriguing. This idea of there is this cosmic supernatural being watching over everything that I do. It's fascinating and kind of scary, isn't it? It's this idea of it's a wonderful life and that's how a lot of people picture it. We all have this Clarence that's just kind of hanging around and he's watching us. He's our spiritual life agent. And so... Corn Tippett back there has a clearance in heaven and his only job is to make sure Corn goes on the right path. We're fascinated to it so much so that we're at times more fascinated by the gift of an angel than the giver of the angel. It's a wonderful life, right? Well, here's one truth that we need to understand when it comes to angels that's really amazing at the top of the list of the knowledge that the Bible, Bible teaches on and that is that angels are real. That angels are real and that angels exist. 
It's good news. It's a gift. In Psalms 91, it says, God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. It's amazing, isn't it? And I started thinking, what does that mean in my life? Like, could you tell me? Like, if I asked you, when you read Psalms 91, God will command his angels concerning your life and to guard you in all of your ways. Could you explain to me how that probably plays out for your Monday through Sunday? What does that mean? Does that mean that Stoney has a clearance? Does Jordan have a clearance? Does Wendy have Do we have that in our life? I see a few of you going, who's Clarence? That's the angel in this wonderful life. I believe. I believe that's his name. Don't want to get sidetracked by that point. So what does it mean to have angels, the supernatural creation of God, present in your life? Can you imagine such a thing or explain it? Do you know what the Bible says about angels? Well, the first thing for us to understand is, one, that they exist. Two, that they're a gift. But then also, your confusion on what angels are and what angels are doing is all right, is probably what God wants you to know. And so the unknown about angels is exactly what God wants you to know. What do I mean by that? Angels do not want or deserve our attention. Angels are not gifts from God that deserve worship. The Bible tells us in what we're about to read in Revelation that angels do not deserve or warrant our worship prayer. If anything, it is the opposite of that. All angels do are doing the work of God as a gift to you and then also to point believers to the goodness of the Lord. Look at Revelation 19. It spells it out. Look at Revelation 19. Look at verses 6. 6 on here. It says, And I heard, as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord your God, omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in in fine linen, clean and bright, as the fine linen is righteous acts of the saint. Now hang with this. Then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet. Wouldn't you, church? If you saw such a thing. He says, I fell to his feet to worship him, the angel. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brother who have testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of the prophecy. So with that being said of angels, that they do exist, that they are a gift that there's mysteries connected to them, that they do not deserve or warn our worship, but pointing us to God, what do we know about the angel in Exodus 23? Why is this significant to our life? Well, number one, we see that God gifts His people out on the journey. They have been saved by God. They are not slaves. They are free, and God gifts them with an angel to lead them to 
this angel seems very different than what we just read in Revelation 19. This angel can do things that are very different than what we saw in Revelation 19. He has different gifts. If anything, it reads as if he is the chief of all angels. Like all the things that I just pointed out and taught you on about angels, it seems like this angel can do so much more. This angel forgives sins and he rewards faith. And that's not what we just read in the book of Revelation. And so why is this interesting? Well, there's many people, believe it or not, who kind of debate Exodus 23 on who this angel is and does it matter? Some believe that the angel in Exodus 23 that God gives the Israelites to lead them to the promised land. Some believe that this is Moses. And you go, well, Hunter, Moses isn't an angel. Why would anybody believe that? Well, in the early interpretation of the word angel, it literally means messenger. And so who is Moses? Moses is a messenger appointed by God. So some people go, hey, God, God has given the Israelites Moses to lead them. So listen to Moses, obey Moses. But listen, what do we see? There's some holes in that theory. Moses cannot forgive sins. Moses is not worth obeying. Moses cannot lead them to salvation. That's not what we see. Some people believe that the messenger is Joshua. Because what we read in later books of Numbers and Leviticus is that Joshua actually enters the promised land. So some people kind of point them to that. But the holes also find themselves in that story because Joshua can't forgive sins. And then some believe that, hey, Hunter, you're making way too big out of deal out of this. The angel that it's talking about is just a run-of-the-mill angel. And the name is not given because it doesn't matter, right? And then there are some, including myself that believe that the angel that we see in Exodus 23 is not so much an angel, but it is Jesus Christ that we read in the New Testament. And so why is that important? And why should we spend a whole Sunday on this? Well, it's simple. It grows our assurance that Jesus Christ has always been here, will always be there, and that he is Lord. It says, why do I believe that, church? Because there's other thoughts. Why do I believe that this angel is Christ of the New Testament? Well, first in verses 21, what does it say? It says that this angel has God's name. That this angel has God's name. We've already read, and if you look through all of the Bible, there is not an angel that has God's name. Also in verses 21, that this angel has the power to forgive. Nowhere else in all of the Bible do we see that an angel has the power to forgive anything. It says the opposite in Mark 2. Who has the power to forgive? But God. Also in verses 22 of Exodus, God tells the people to obey this angel. Well, we've already explained and understood and discovered that angels do not want you to obey them. Angels are pointing you to the one to obey. And so what does God tell these children of his on the journey of life, former slaves going to the promised land? He says, follow and obey this messenger in which I've given you. And so I believe that this text better reads, Behold, I send a messenger before you. I send a messenger before you, a messenger that has my name, that has the power to forgive, the desire to bless, and the authority to lead. And that is none other than Jesus Christ. 
I believe, for my history lovers, I believe that the presence of Jesus Christ is all throughout the Bible. I believe from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, I believe that not only the prophecy of Christ, but the presence of Christ is all through it. So let's take a second. If you've been a part of this church, we have read Isaiah 7 and 9 a million times. If you go and do your homework and read Isaiah 7 and 9, you will not only see kind of like, well, is there a hint of Jesus? No, it is to the point, the nativity scene in the gospel. So much so, if you've never done it, man, you have missed out. You read this and go, man, this seems like it is written in the moment it was happening, but it was hundreds of years before, 600 to be precise. And all throughout the Old Testament, we see the prophecy of the coming Messiah. And so all throughout the Old Testament, what is the Old Testament? It is one story about the coming of Jesus, right? However, when you read the Old Testament... It is filtered with prophecy of his presence. And not only do we see prophecy, we see him being present in the Old Testament. What is the story in Daniel 13, church? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse thir- uh, chapter 3, I mean. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is thrown in the fire and Nebuchadnezzar is looking in there, seeing if they're burned, what do they see? How many does he see in there? Four. Who is the fourth? And what does Nebuchadnezzar say about the fourth? What does he say? It is like he is the son of God. Man, early on in my faith, this is one of those things that grabbed my attention so heavily is the presence of Jesus Christ in Genesis. In Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us. You ever thought about this? This is before man. This is before living beings. Like, who is us? You ever thought about it? Who is us? Who is God speaking to? He's speaking to the Son. He is speaking to the presence, not just the prophecy of Jesus Christ. Then God said, let us make man in our image. In our Likeness is not that fascinating to you. Jesus Christ is not a New Testament story. Jesus Christ has always been here. Jesus is God and will continue to always be with us. Just listen to this truth spelled out in 1 Corinthians 8. Yet for us there is one God the Father of whom all things, and we for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, whom all things have been made, and through all things in which we live. Why is this important? Why is it important that we see Jesus in Genesis 1, and Exodus 23, and then also Isaiah 7, and Daniel 3 and Isaiah 9. Why is that important, church, more than just it's fascinating that we know the history behind it? It's important because of this. At some point in all of our lives, you are going to have to, have to answer the question of who is Jesus Christ in your life? And he's either going to be one or three things. And you may have heard this before. We've talked about it many times. Either he is going to be a liar, that Jesus Christ was a con artist, 
that he walked the streets during the New Testament, and he was a fantastic manipulator. And he knew how to play the emotional heartstrings, and he knew how to speak well, and he orchestrated all of it, and he was a liar, right? Some believe that. Or he was a lunatic. He believed everything he was saying, but he believed a lot of crazy things. He was out of his mind. Some believe that. That Jesus Christ was a halfway good guy, but he was not all there, right? Either he was a liar, a lunatic, or Jesus Christ is Lord. He is one of those three things. And at some point in your life, you're going to have to answer that question. And when you dive into the Old Testament, young person... When you dive into the Old Testament and you go, man, these are not just old stories that came before the gospel. No, 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 no. This is the gospel. It's all the gospel. It all points to the cross. It all points to Jesus. He is present in prophecy in all throughout the scriptures. And when you start to understand this, when you see the nativity, when you see him in Genesis, when you see him throughout your assurance rises that he is not a liar, that he is not a lunatic, that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see it. And as you guys grow up, or we're already grown, you will go out into the world and you will hear many people say that Jesus Christ is a liar. And Jesus Christ is a lunatic. And Jesus Christ was a wonderful prophet. And none of those things are true. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ has always been here and he will always be here. And that is the importance of Exodus 23. For you to see the presence of Christ before the Gospels. I've loved our time in the book of the covenant on this idea of perfect parenting. I've loved it for many reasons. I've loved it because this really hard text that I did not think that I was going to love has really opened my eyes and my heart to some really amazing things that were good for me. Easy to teach on. It was really good for me because I got to see who God the Father is and and that blessed me in so many different ways. Not only did I get to see um, who God is in, in my life, I got to see what God is doing, right? And so I looked at God the Father as this parent who's constantly doing the same things that he was doing to the Israelites. I saw him doing in me, right? And then there were just some applicable things in parenting that I was really blessed by. And so what did we see in our last six weeks, church? We saw that God cares. He cares about everything. We also see that God loves order. He's balanced, We also see that God is never too busy, never too stressed, that God's desire is to disciple and to walk with us. We see that God calls us to be different, calls us to be aliens. And then last week, God calls us to be founded in the remembrance of our salvation Wednesday night. And he charges us to celebration. And then this week, we see that God the Father is an amazing gift giver. That God the Father is an amazing gift giver. Not only Book of the Covenant, not only does he tell these people how to live, not only does he say to these people, I'm going to be with you, he says, I am going to give you gifts to get there. You see that? I'm not going to just point you in the right direction. I'm not going to just charge you with what's right or wrong. I am going to give you a way 
to travel there safely. Continue to look at the text in Exodus 23. Look at starting with verses 23. That's where we left off. He speaks of this angel, or or what I believe is better represented as messenger, Christ. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Prezerites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I will cut them off and you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do according to their works. But you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread. We highlight He's a gift giver. If you obey and you follow, if you follow the leader in which I gave you, he will bless your bread and he will bless your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer a miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the numbers of your days. God tells the people that not only am I going to save you, I'm going to explain and teach you the way to live. And now I'm going to give you a leader to follow to get there. I will bless your bread and I will bless your water. From an earthly standpoint, son, following Jesus will lead you to celebration. Following Jesus will lead you to celebration. I love Luke 9. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And so as an earthly parent, I was even thinking about all the advice we love to give our kids. I think that um, we're professional advice givers and I'm not making fun there. I do it probably more than you do. And so we all have some type of opinion or preference that our kids should live by in every which way. And so I talk to my kids about how to speak and how to dress and how to throw the ball and how to hold a bat and how to run and how to talk to girls and how to root for this team. I talk to them about how to interview one day, how to talk to teachers, how to save money. We are professional advice givers, being human architects as a parent. But if you only had 10 seconds with your child, if you were given 10 seconds, not 10 years, not 20 years, however long your child stays in your home and listens to your words, if you were given 10 seconds, if your child came to you and said, hey, dad, I I don't have forever, you have 10 seconds to gift me with what's most important, what would that 10 seconds consist of? And I believe that it should be Luke 9. This is God's son, his chosen one. Listen to him. Follow him. That should be our 10 seconds. The greatest plea that I can give my kids, the greatest plea, parent, that I can bless my kids with is pleading that they follow Christ, that they obey him, that they seek his forgiveness. I've spoken to so many parents about the stress about parenting. If if I get a phone call for any kind of struggle, if it's the three things, it's either marriage, money, or kids, right? And when it all fits into the same bubble, it's a really hardship. And a lot of parents will come to me and they'll go, Hunter, I am weighed down by all the advice that I should give. 
I don't know the perfect advice for how they treat friends and, and sports and money and school. What college should they go to? My kid is not very smart enough. My kid is not athletic enough. They're too athletic. I gotta humble them. They're not really fitting in, right? They got issues. They got deficits. Hunter, I do not know how to perfect parent. And I always give them the same advice. Focus on the 10 seconds. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. And God has blessed you with more than 10 seconds. But at the same time, we should focus on that 10 seconds of son, daughter, follow the leader. The greatest gift a parent can give their child is pointing them to the one that God has given them, and that is Jesus Christ. Because not only is it a perfect gift, but it is a perfect gift that never loses power, never loses beauty, and never loses significance. In the Great Commission, it says in Matthew, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, all of those gifts that my friends told me that they got, the, the Nintendo and the Barbie Dream House and the shotgun and, and all the things that they received, I asked them this one question. I said, where is it now? And some go, they laughed and they said, Hunter, I have no idea where my Mario Brother game is, right? I have no idea where my, my Griffey Jr. rookie is, Hunter. I have no idea where that Barbie is, Hunter. Some people go, oh, I, I remember where my shotgun is, but it's, it's really old. It doesn't work as good as it used to. I kind of hold it as, as display. I had it put up somewhere. The gift of Jesus Christ never loses power. It never gets old. It never becomes unuseful. When you are saved as a child and you have the Holy Spirit in the moment, the Holy Spirit is just as powerful, great, and strong the moment you die at 90. There is no other gift like the gift of Jesus Christ to follow. Angels might be a mystery, but Christ is not. Angels might be a mystery, but Jesus Christ is not. Jesus Christ has been walking with His people before time and will continue walking way after it. And He will not stop until the end. Can you imagine an earthly gift being so wonderful? And the answer is no. God continues to point them to following this leader and the blessings of doing so. As we close chapter 23, look at 27 through 33. It says, I will send my fear before you and I will cause confusion. It's talking about God's provisions and, and how when you follow the leader, when you follow the messenger, when you listen to the gift that's been given to you, that God will make a way. That's what he's saying to him. I will send my fear before you and I will cause confusion among the people of whom you come encounter with. And will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hivite before you. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast on the field become too no numerous for you. Little by little, God's sovereign plan, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. And I will set your bounds before you in the Red Sea to the sea, Philistia in the desert to the river. 
For I will deliver the inhabitants of all the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in the land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. As we start to close in here, Jesus Christ is the greatest gift ever given. Not only did He provide our exodus and was there in our exodus, He walks with us after the exodus and our salvation on our journey. Jesus Christ is the one who has given you the Holy Spirit that still lives within you. Jesus Christ is the same from what we read in Genesis 1 till now. And the book of the covenant is this beautiful gift of perfect parenting in that you are saved, that He has given you the way to live, and Jesus Christ is the one who leads you to the promised land. Jesus Christ is our transportation. He is our path. And God did not just look at us and say, I think that I can give them these rules and these laws and Hunter Jones can follow them because Hunter Jones is not going to follow them. Hunter Jones is going to find his way lost again. And what does he say? I'm going to give you a messenger. I am going to give you the angel. I am going to give you the Christ. And if you follow Him, if you follow Him, He will lead you to celebration. So as we close here, what is the word that I want you to hear? To grow our assurance. Christ has always been here. Not only has Christ always been here, He is still here. And He is still the same gift. And so for you and I in this church today, some of you are in very different journeys and you are struggling in your marriage. You are struggling in your mind. You are struggling in relationships. You're struggling in parenting. You're struggling in faith. And the same leader stands before you. And the same leader lives within you. And the gifts that he gave those people because he loves them are the same gifts that he has given you. Follow him. Follow Him. Obey His Word. Seek His forgiveness. Praise God for the gift of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that man has ever received. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank You for today. Lord, I thank You for who Jesus is, who Jesus was, and who Jesus continues to be in my life. Lord, I thank You for the gift that never grows old, that moth will never destroy, that the world can never contradict, that never loses strength, that never loses stamina, that never loses power. The gift of Jesus Christ comes through your love, grace, and mercy on your people. The Israelites were your people. The people of today who place their faith in your Son are your people. And Lord, you have gifted them with your Son. Lord, I pray for all of those that are trying to find our way through the desert, our own way. Lord, I pray that they repent, that they seek forgiveness, and they follow the lead. For our parents in this room that are trying to be professional advice givers and 
perfectly parent their child in every aspect of life. Lord, I pray that they tighten that up and they focus on the most important 10 seconds, and that is Christ is God and obey Him. Follow Him. Listen to Him. Walk with Him. Lord, forgive us of our sins, and in Your precious name, the church says in harmony, Amen. Amen.